Through the lens of loving local and seeing global, we obsessively search for people whose stories need to be told and how OKC played a supporting role. Hosted by Katherine Bexton and Emmy Cobes, welcome to Action City. Emmy! Hi! Hi! Do you see my tan? I was going to say, you're very tan. Well, part of it might be the leftover spray tan. How was the spray it, tan? Well, did you I didn't, go to, I didn't go to your fancy person. I went to Caesars. Oh, did you see Bob Stoops? <laughs> no, but I looked for him and I saw lots <laughs> of people who maybe could have been Bob Stoops. Um, but yes, I went to, to the lady at Caesars and she told me she's been doing it for 15 years. I believe Can it. Can you imagine doing that all day, every day? She's so lovely for 15 years. I, I probably went to her a couple of A lot of, of naked bodies. Lots of naked bodies. Lots of naked bodies. But I made it to Jamaica. It was a miracle. I mean, I can't even. Oh gosh. Going really? out of town is really stressful. Uh, but it we looked beautiful. There. It was beautiful. It was, it was basically like you took a college spring break and we're just now bringing it down to high school. Okay. High school spring breaks are not what they used to be. What does that that mean? Well, we were there with lots of other, my, with my nephew and my nieces with lots of their friends from their, from school. My nephew had a ton of his friends from school. How old is your nephew? He's a sophomore. And then there's lots of juniors there. And it's just, let's just say it's just Different time, Emmy. Different time. And, <laughs> Too much TikTok. Well, it's just a lot of it's it's a it's a lot of partying. <laughs> oh, really? For young people, oh. yes. But I, I, you don't even really know what to do about it. It's like completely out of control. It's like, yeah. But it was a blast, and I think the kids had fun. I mean, I guess because I went to Mexico my senior year with my parents, and your senior year. Yeah, but we went. To- I now have freshmen who think it's like they're right. To, yeah, that's oh it's gosh. Kind of scary. Well, my sister was a freshman and um well let's wait, sh- she came on the senior trip when mm-hmm. she was a freshman. Uh-huh. I will say there were lots of families there whose one parent took the senior on the senior trip and then one parent brought them on this no, trip. Sarah came and you know, uh-huh. there were there were, yeah, uh, there was alcohol in the room. So Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I will say one of the best things about this trip was it was sort of a surprise. I got to see my Best friend from college oh. happened to be in the same place where we Fun. were. And she had three families with her. She's from Cincinnati. And I had met two of the families before. And the other one I had met from Greta because she makes this really wonderful cocktail mix Ooh. called Gree Gree Cocktail Magic. And I'd met her through Greta before, but never in person. So they had us over for dinner one night. We had it was Fun. I have to say we all had negative tests to go right. to Jamaica, but we had dinner and all the kids were at one table there. I think there were like 20 kids. No, maybe. Yeah. 20 kids probably. Oh my gosh. And there were 16 grownups at another table. And when was the last time you were at a dinner table with 16 people? I mean, it's, it was like a twilight zone. Oh, that sounds it incredible. Was so lovely. It was all, I mean, all these houses are basically indoor outdoor. I mean, like, yeah, it's almost like there's no walls, but there's living rooms that are basically outside. That's amazing. It was wonderful. And I, I, I'm, I'm sad we're home now. <laughs> I had a laundress while I was there. What's a laundress? Somebody that does your laundry. Oh, I was thinking it was a type of drink. <laughs> it's a, it, let me say, there are a lot of hours in the day that are available to you if you're not cooking, cleaning and doing laundry. So yeah. I mean, it was like, I, I couldn't even fill up the day. There was, I had so much free time. That sounds amazing. It was great. So my peak was the trip to Jamaica. What's the your- pit was, we're home now. No, but I was excited. I came back to the store and 
Everything in the store was new. Yeah, the store looks great. It looks great. And then yeah. I walked out the door today and last Monday, Angela sent me this picture of boxes like piled to the ceiling uh-huh. that came and she had to call in some reinforcements to help. And as I was walking out the door today, another three giant boxes arrived. And I was like, Angela, I'm so sorry. I What's in so the bad. boxes? Oh, I think it was Lake Coyote to Perry and this line called me. And she was unpacking it when I, I can't wait to get back. Wait, oh my gosh, the beachy stuff. Oh, the beachy side, not my no, beachy no, no. Side. But the e, the me, isn't that it's kind of M I I? It is kind of beachy. Yes. yes. Remember? Oh wait, you have yes. the skirt mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. latte on it. Did you get the skirt? No, I have the the oh, color, the color by numbers. numbers. That line. <gasps> Yay! Uh-huh. Well, so I, I ran into Greta and got one of your Kara Kara dresses <gasps> immediately. I, well, I knew I was going to text you. I was like, Emmy will be there in two seconds. I literally I was the dress here, and your picture on Instagram was darling. I can't wait to try it along. I just. You're just doing such a good job. I feel like this well, last year has been a doozy. Oh. And now it's like all this freshness came into the store and I'm just drinking it all up. It's so exciting. We're out of hangers. Which Are is you? A small which problem. is the best. Which That's is the, the best, best problem. problem. Only when we did our like full clean out at the beginning of January, we had all these kind of hangers that didn't really match anything. And I was like, Ugh, get rid of these things. And I threw all these hangers away. Now you're like, and now I have no hangers. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I got to fold more. Maybe I'll have to fold some things. I don't know. So there we have it. So yeah. now we're back to real life, Emmy. How back was your life? non-spring break, spring break? Um, It was good. Yeah. Not really a whole lot Anything happened. Exciting happened? Not really. Um, Wait, you guys, did you go to Fort Worth? It was somebody's birthday. So this would be probably the pit. Uh, Jeff's grandfather passed away. What? I know. But he, he, didn't tell me he was, he's been sick for a long time. Um, his and dad's parents, his dad dad's father. Dad. Yes. Dr. Cobes. He was the sweetest, kindest, coolest, really, really great man. Oof. He was head of Harris Southwest hospital. He was an OBGYN. And so, so every single person mm-hmm. of Fort Worth knows in him. college, when we go to lunch, they'd look at Jeff's credit card and they'd be like, Oh, are you related to Dr. Cobes? He delivered me and my six children. And he had these incredible stories. He actually told us one time he was delivering this woman came in to the hospital and she had had no prenatal care. So they didn't really know, you what know was what was going, going on. on. He, the baby, they think it's a baby. The baby starts coming and he sees two right feet and a left. She had triplets. And had no idea. Had no clue she was having three kids. I know. Oh, goodness. But he had all these stories like that um, that were really fun. And I remember after I had Huffman, I had some complications and he was just asking me about, you know, and just made me reassured me. And I don't know. It just... I shouldn't say complications. I had just weird random after stuff that you, yeah. I mean, but after you wanted you, to have someone ask about, by it. the way, after you have a baby, nobody, nobody tells, tells you. you, or actually, you know, people wanted to tell me and I just told them to keep their mouth. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to know. I, it, let's just say it, your body it's is, not okay. it's not okay. So I just, I was very concerned about what <laughs> had just happened. And he fe- reassured me that everything was normal, even though I'm sure I'd already called Dr. Nana like eight times right, being like, exactly. what is this? What is this? Are we okay? She's especially giving you herself. Oh my gosh. But, um, yeah, so he passed away. But so what happened was, is we got a call Saturday that he wasn't doing well. And it was, I knew Jeff wanted to say goodbye and it was one of those things where should we load up both kids and drive to Fort Worth right now or in I I'm not great in stressful situations like that I think where it's I, like hurry go 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 yeah yeah I, I'm not I I like to think about things I like to have all my options I like to have a plan I, I'm very much more methodical, whereas and Jeff is very logical and I feel like it's 
I don't know what to do when his emotional side kind of takes over because he's always so logical. And so it was really stressful for us to try to figure out. And so we came up with a plan that on Sunday morning, we're going to get the kids up, put them in the car, drive to Fort Worth. He can go say goodbye. And then we were going to drive back home Sunday evening. Well, we forgot it was daylight savings. So when our alarms went off at six, it felt like five o'clock. And yes. So it was really a hard day just because of driving in the car. It takes the kids a few days to adjust to that. Yes. And there was so much traffic on the way home. It took four hours instead of three. So Mm. it it just. All in one day you mm -hmm, did that? mm -hmm. Mm. I know. It was, we probably should have just gone on Saturday and spent the night, but. It just, it was so sad. So he ended up passing away um, last Thursday. So thankfully Jeff got to say goodbye yeah. and we got to see his family for, you know, a little while. And How so, many grandchildren are there? Oh gosh. A lot? I mean, I don't even know. Not like a ton, probably like 10, between 12, 10 and 12. I like just can't think of the number off the top of my head. Like Jeff has 10 or 12 cousins? Yeah. Gosh, I only have three. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Not weird. That is weird. Like t- three on one side and zero on the other side. What? I know. And that I, I I didn't really have. So when my grandmother passed away, it was just us. Like really? Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, that's so strange. I've always had a million cousins. I feel like. I oh well. So that was kind of our pit. Um, I don't know. And then our peak. So sad. I'm like trying to think of a peak. Is the cleanse over? The cleanse is over. Although now I'm still technically cleansing. I'm just reintroducing foods. Gotcha. Um, so I re I, I so from the actual cleanse, I lost eleven pounds. Oh gosh. I know, and I feel like it. I mean, I I think I look like it kind of. Um, and then now I'm reintroducing grains and fish this week to see if I if any inflammation happens, and then I'll reintroduce alcohol probably this weekend. Uh huh. Is that on the plan or did you just come up with that one on your own? Um, well, we have a wedding this weekend. Oh, yeah. Fort so Worth, yeah, so, so you'll be reintroducing alcohol. Yeah. I mean, I'll probably just do tequila, try to stay away from wine, champagne. Let me tell you the wine when I was in Jamaica. I mean, I could was drink it really tequila good? all day. No, it was horrible. Oh, really? Well, no, it was fine. But the food in Jamaica is not. You're not going to Jamaica for the food. Oh, really? But notice I didn't talk about the food. Oh, that is true. But I could drink. Tequila. Tequilas. Yeah. If I have one glass of wine. My whole mouth starts to yeah. feel funny. And then I, it's yeah. just, I don't so, feel good the next day. I don't know. I guess my peak will be that this weekend, you know, we're going to a wedding. I feel like, I don't know, again, I've been happily optimistic during this whole pandemic, which I don't know is good or bad, but it does feel somewhat normal-ish um, going to this wedding. You know what I mean? Well, good. Yeah. So that's good. I think that's been kind of my peak over the last couple of, maybe the last week is that the world seems like it's opening up a little bit, which is nice just because so many people are vaccinated. I know. And I definitely gave a lot of people in Jamaica hugs. People, yeah, I mean, yeah. And, but we had to have a negative, I told you, right, so yeah, yeah. a negative test to go, negative test to come home. But you knew that everyone that went there had to have a negative test. And so when you, you know, when I saw my best friend from college, I haven't seen in two years. I mean, I gave her a huge hug. Well, when we went to like, Scissor Till Park, bumping. we've gone to Scissor Till Park basically every Saturday. And we went this Saturday with some friends. And I mean, you're outside, so people don't necessarily all, no, not everybody had their masks on outside, but it felt really good. And yeah. I don't know. It just, it seems like people are being more positive. And some of my friends who I haven't seen in a long time are starting to reach out again because they've been vaccinated. And so it's all good. Okay, good. Well, I know. And spring is going to 
Around. Yeah, and so I know the weather's getting warmer. Minus, yeah, minus this. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm feeling feeling positive. Okay, yeah. good. I know. I'm excited for our guest. Well, we're really excited about our guest today. After a chart-topping major label career, numerous TV appearances, and hundreds of sync placements, Graham Colton continues to expand on the label singer-songwriter. He has logged thousands of miles on the road and shares stages and shared stages with some of music's biggest artists, including Dave Matthews Band, John Mayer, Kelly Clarkson, The Wallflowers, Counting Crows, Maroon 5, and many, many more. Graham co-owns and operates Oklahoma City's most talked about music venue, the Jones Assembly. He promises us you'll be able to catch him on stage at the Jones one day. Welcome to Action City, Graham. Catherine, I feel like one of the things we definitely have in common is that if we can't do something perfectly ourselves, then we find somebody who can. And I think one of the biggest parts of working smarter, not harder, is finding amazing people who can help you. You know I also love supporting a local business, and LifeScar combines all of those for me. I've known the owner, Valerie, for years, and she really has created a one-stop shop for OKC when it comes to getting assistance. LifeSquire offers a range of services from personal assistance, grocery shopping and organizing, to recruiting and hiring for your business. But what I really love is that if you they don't already have an expert for you, they will find one. It also is so convenient that they have their own app for booking and scheduling. But also say you forget your kid's lunch at school. They have an SOS function for emergency situations. And one click of the SOS button will solve your problem immediately. They work within your budget and needs and offer hourly packages. So if you only need somebody two hours a week or 20 hours a week, it doesn't matter. They have you covered. Um. For small business owners, if you want are wanting to hire an executive assistant, life oh my gosh. For small business owners, if you're wanting to hire an executive assistant, LifeScar will vet, recruit, and train that person for you. I think if you're wanting to free up some time in your schedule and support an amazing local business, hiring LifeSquire is the best thing you can do. If you want to get more information, go to their website. It's lifesquire.com. That's L-I-F-E. S-Q-U-I-R-E.com. Um, also, have I mentioned that they were written in the Wall Street Journal and Forbes? Kind of a big deal. I think if you want to stress a little less and get an extra pair of hands, they're the way to go. You can also call them at 405-889-4430 or email them info at LifeSquire.com. Anyway, I don't have enough great things to say about Valerie and the whole team at LifeSquire please give them a call. Thank you so much for being a sponsor. Now back to the podcast. Hi, Graham. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're good. Emmy and I are so excited to have you in the We're studio. We're excited. So we always start at the very beginning, like very beginning. Mm -hmm. Like what hospital were you born? <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> we like really oh, Baptist. Oh, really? Yeah. I is, it still called, is, it, is, it, is it called? In I Texas? still call it that. I call it, my kids were born there and I call it Baptist, but it's, it's integrous. But I no, think there are bad. a lot it's of gonna be Baptist. I, that's what it's yeah always Baptist. That's but what, we yeah. have we have talked about a lot of this a lot on the show actually. Yes. All the things that were named something when we were mm -hmm. growing up that now have changed their yeah, names that right. we all like still the call Omniplex. before it got corporate. Yeah, before yeah. it got corporate, when the Cowboy Hall of Fame, yeah, whatever it was. It was just it was. Old school Baptist. Mm -hmm. Baptist. Just, that's all you needed to know. <laughs> yeah. I was I born you. A Baptist. Were you a lifer at Heritage? Yeah. Yeah. I was I started in preschool. Wow. So you went all the way through. I went all the way through. Um and 
yeah. And my kids are there now. So it's, it's pretty cool. I love that. So did the, did all the music start or where did that start? You mean just playing music? Yeah, and, your love um, for music. It, did and, you grow up in a musical household? Yeah, I, I will. I will say I did grow up in a musical household. Um, my dad was was always musical. Um, oh, is he in a band? He is still in uh, a band called the Wise Guys. That's right. Yep. And, oh my gosh. Okay, this um, is coming back to me because they played a party. Oh gosh, but I think when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah, it really is like the coolest thing. I mean, to be in essentially the same band that you were in with your best friends in college, because they started in college with a different name and kind of formed the wise guys after college and, you know, different iterations. Um, but the original members are still playing in that band and they, they it's just the coolest. I mean, you don't hear that that often. No, I mean, you, you hear a lot I mean, about bands breaking up. Yeah. And Not regardless of, other, of what type of band it is or what, I mean, how cool is it? You get to play music with your best friends from high really, school and college. Like, yeah, that's still. really fun. So music was always a part of my house. Did um, you go to his shows growing up? Always. Yeah. And were you always. like down front? You're like, Oh yeah. I mean, you, I remember. People so you thought your dad was really cool. Yes, that's awesome. He still is really cool. Well, I mean, um, but I think he was I my remember, Sunday school teacher, by the way. Total. I mean, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he was. Yeah. Uh, I remember. He was a cool Sunday school teacher. Like my kids would go to Sunday school if he was their teacher. Really? Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's always been a cool, a cool dude. Um, I have really cool parents, plural. Um, but I remember like going to Garfield's. On May. Afternoon. Oh, wait, which is now boomerang. Which, oh, wait, God, no. What is it now? It's like 10 things, been 10 things since, since then. Right. Um, and I, yeah, I remember just watching them and just being like absolutely enamored by just music and like bands. And these guys were up there playing these songs that I knew even, you know, at, when I was five, six years old, I'd be in the bar. So like, is that who taught you them. to play the guitar? Your dad? Yeah. My dad taught me to play guitar. Um, it was always, it always made sense to me. I was never like, oh, I, I, I want to be classically trained or I want to be, I want to read music, anything like that. I just, it, you know how like you hear certain people say they can look at a math equation or something and it just makes sense. Well, music just always made sense to me, not in terms of, like I said, reading music, but I, I, it, it just, it, not only could I sing melodies that I heard, but I, I knew how things had to go together, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Like and it didn't really, it didn't really fully hit until I started writing my own songs, but that's when it really, you're like, oh, I understand the mathematics of chords and different, uh, I guess what people see on paper when they know how to read it, because mm -hmm. it's, it's very mathematical. I, I think I just understood that. Yeah. It just clicked in on. your brain. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh -huh. So you you weren't classically trained, but you mm -hmm. could when you write music. I mean, you write obviously the chords and the words. Yeah, the, you write the, it all together. I, I do, um, and not that music should be mathematical, but that's the only way to kind of explain it. Is there is like an order of things that is there are certain notes that don't go after other Correct. notes and yeah. vice versa. Yeah, and I remember when I and when I would hear that, you know, in contemporary songs or Beatles songs or whatever, it it would make sense to me. So I would know how to sort of do my own version of that. That's so cool. Yeah. You just knew that instinctively? Well, I, think that I, I, I think it doesn't mean that I was good at it. It just means that I sort of, it made sense to me. Like, of like oh, this is yeah. like, uh, like, you know, when you write a four sentence phrase, that's a verse. And then you go from the verse to the chorus or the chorus to the bridge. Like it, it sort of was just inherent that I understood how to do that. Um, I, but I it, again, I'm not saying I was good at it. 
But you eventually got I mean, I good wrote, at it because you I, kept I wrote doing and it. still write really crappy songs sometimes. <laughs> but they, but I, I, it makes sense to me, and I think that's just when I knew. Yeah. So, um, what age was that around? I mean, I started playing guitar in sixth or seventh grade. Okay. And yeah, my dad taught me Beatles songs and Tom Petty songs, and it, those were the one; those were the types of songs that were just fun to play on the guitar. And you would learn four chords, and you could play a million songs. That's amazing. When did you write your first song? Um, probably like eighth grade, teenage, little angst, angst, angsty, yeah. yeah, like yeah, in the, the driver's license of yeah, I mean, of pre, pre, eighth grade boys. definitely yeah. like prepubescent, like. <laughs> You know, yeah. Um, and at that time, you know, for me, it was that would have been early '90s. So that was this was like grunge, like Weezer, uh, post Nirvana, Weezer, like, exactly. Oh yeah. So there was all these bands that were kind of like not as hardcore as Nirvana and right. Pearl Jam, um, and they were a little bit softer and sweeter yeah. and more melodic. And I was like, that's what I want to do. So who- because it reminded me of Tom Petty and the Beatles, and it was three and a half minute pop songs that were guys with guitars. And so I was like, Oh, I, I can do that. I can play those songs. And so, then it was like, yeah, trying to form bands with my friends in the basement. And, you know, I had like four different bands. Did you have tryouts? Where we had one practice, you know, and then it didn't work <laughs> out. It didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. Who was in charge of kicking out the people that didn't work? Uh, um, That's a hard job. If they're your friends. Well, like, for no, us, I mean, it, it was kind of like you do one practice and then you have to go play sports or you, you know, and you just, uh, there's nowhere to play. Right. In those days there was, I mean, where do you go play? I yeah. mean, not in your bedroom. Your parents did not appreciate that. Yeah. There were no gigs. I mean, mm-hmm. there, you know, um, I did start to, I, I started to kind of create my own gigs, which was. Did you do like the high school dance? I mean, I feel like we that's did what a the DJs dance do now. One yeah. Time yeah. At Edmund, what was it? Edmund Memorial High did School. Did you win? Wait, was that Woodstock? No, we lost. Um, was it, was, it was Woodstock. Probably. I th- or why? Is that, uh, what the, is that what it's called? The Battle yeah, of the Dance? So was, I w- I, you would know. I don't know yes, what it was, but. Yes, I think it was because <laughs> um, I went through like a band girl phase where I just was really into like Weezer mm-hmm. and, you know, Green Day pre the weird American whatever that was. Mm-hmm. But I went to Woodstock and it was, yeah, it was all these like, high, I'm sure this is what it was. It had to have been. I'm sure they did it multiple years. But so I played in like the youth church band. And that was kind of the first like gigs I started playing. Where people we, saw you. you were yeah. And there, you know, cause church was really the only place yeah. where it was like a speaker system and microphones and like an yeah, audience. That was pretty progressive because they didn't have yeah. bands in church then. Right. It wasn't yeah, full on so, entertainment. So we sort of like youth grouped it. Um, and we would take like, <laughs> we would take, and my dad helped with this. He's really <laughs> good at him. it. We took, uh, you know, all, uh, uh, contemporary songs, which is the time. Yeah. It was Weezer and green day. And we would change the words into Christian like words? contemporary Christian yes. words. So the, so the youth pastor would be okay with <laughs> us playing okay like with, Bush. I you know? love that. <laughs> or, or, love yeah. And cause you know, the normal lyrics are all just like druggy. Yeah, no. Like, no, it's about Jesus. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so then that, yeah, that little church band kind of, um, we tried to just create gigs where we could. And one of them was battle the bands in Edmond. Uh, yeah. I know exactly what you're lost. talking about it. So who won? Kids. I mean, is that person still playing music? That there group? was this dumb band. Oh, that won. You know, it's always anymore. like the dumb band. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, I'm still really good friends with the, the one of the singers in that dumb band. He would say it's dumb too. I mean, we, I was in a dumb band. Yeah. He was, he was in a, a dumb, dumb band. band. It was uh, my band was called the corduroy groove. 
Oh, oh my God. And I his love band it. was called Red Snow. Do I want to know why it was called Red Snow? I'm guessing it's a Red you Hot know, Chili Peppers thing. Just, you know, you're 14. And, you and just, you're rocking. My brother's band was called 90, Swoonworthy. What was it? Swoonworthy. Like for the ladies. And it like, had the Weezer W with an S on see, top. See, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was actually not bad, that's but they were bad. Legit. <laughs> they were bad. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So did mm-hmm. you take, you graduate, you go to SMU. So when you're in Dallas, are you bringing <clears throat> the music along with you? Kind of how is this progressing in your life? So uh, let's see. When I when I really started to write my own songs, um, probably like when I thought they were kind of real songs, uh, a friend of mine named Brendan Parker and I started playing, uh, at Mamacita's Mexican food restaurant. Oh yes. Which is no longer, which is no longer. R.I.P. And we would, you know, this was kind of like heavy, heavy, heavy Dave Matthews time. Was this before you were 21 probably playing? Oh yeah. 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 High school. Okay. He was a senior. I was a junior. So this is 97, 96, 97. I'm trying and, to remember Dave Matthews in 97. I mean, this is, you're talking Those were the like prime years. Second, that was like, album. yeah, he's, you know, yeah. every single he's the song. Big, that, yeah. He's the biggest, played, yeah. you know, kind of like college people listen to artists around, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would, I started writing songs and we would kind of play acoustic um, and Mama Cita's was kind of just like our little gig place. And this was still in high school, still in high school. Okay. And, um, Brendan went off to college. I went to SMU after that with a handful of songs that I had paid a guy 50 bucks in a studio like this, you know, with just a microphone and, um, and, and what did you put it with? I guess you put it on a CD back then, right? What was the, I had a CD, but I also, uh, they, the songs ended up on Napster. Oh, that's big oh, time. No. You're a yeah. total But that rebel. was bad then. Or, or that would well, be it was no, good me, if you're a musician. Like, oh, oh like, my God. Like my songs are now out. Oh, okay. You I know? guess because you're not worried about. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I, mean, I, I was when just. When did like, Napster start? Uh, probably in like 97, I was in San Francisco. Yeah. Wait, Napster started in the 90s? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I lived in San Francisco then. Yeah. Somewhere. I guess that makes sense. At least it didn't kind of like breakthrough until then but it was it was it was late 90s wow okay early 2000s um so i get to smu i have six songs that i literally just sat down microphone in front of the guitar sang them um and then songs are kind of out i start trying to like wrangle gigs in dallas what were you majoring in smu did you go for music no no, remember no, no i was i was just just like a I, I, who knows communications, or <laughs> who PR, knows? public relations, but it never dawned on you to go to school for music. No, I never had that kind of, I, well, I, I was not this, that or, or to talented. skip school. I really, I mean, I'm not, I was not that talented musically. I, I, I was never like, in a way you were sort of doing it for fun as a hobby and the fun pastime. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I never had a desire to be like, Oh, I'm going to go study music. Gotcha. Because then, what, what I, do you that's do? That's what I always yeah. felt like music school was about: is you're going to go study it. And I was never that talented in, in any individual part of music. And when you do that, you're probably studying guitar and piano and violin. Yeah, or you're, you're probably you're studying like, all you're the a instruments. Right. Or you're a cellist. And you never something. had the inclination to just go to L.A. or Nashville. Um, not early. No. Not early. No, I, I just. But I also never had the inclination after high school. I never really wanted to like be a fraternity college guy either. So it was kind of odd going they to SMU. They're going to SMU because I feel like because, that's what, 
goes on at SMU. It's the fraternity. Yeah. And so I, I got to SMU and almost the first weekend I was starting to open for different people. Nice. Um, kind of in Dallas and Dallas was really fun in the early was 2000s. Was it Deep Ellum? What was happening? Okay. Yeah. There's the Deep Ellum club scene there. And, um, and again, this was right at the time where music was hitting the internet. And so there were all of these, um, like I call it like the John Mayer phase because John Mayer was kind of like the first artist of that era post Dave Matthews where music was getting traded around. So, um, it was almost like, you, what they say, kind of like people used to trade cassette tapes and mixtapes, but it was digital. So right. John Mayer was really like the first artist. Um, when did who, the iPod come out? Like for was, like 2000? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, so yeah, it was, it like was kind, kind of, of right around before... the same, the same time. Um, How do you get a gig? What do you do? You show up in Dallas, you know, no one, you probably know some people at SMU. You um, literally go down and knock on the door. Of yeah. Club like I used Deep to play Ellen. at a place called the flying saucer. Oh my gosh. I love the flying Greenville. saucer. Yes. And I just, I, mean, I, I don't even remember. I think I just walked in. And, and you said, here's like, my CD. Well, and I think I just promised how many people I could, could bring and I lied. You, know, you just lied. <laughs> of course you have to. Yeah. You just <laughs> That's lied. how you start out. Um, and you just, yeah, you, 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 you get a weeknight. They're never going to give you a Friday at or what Saturday. midnight or something, yeah, or, you yeah. know, or and 5 I said, oh, PM. You know, I have a PA system. I'll bring it in my car. I'll set up, I'll play for three hours. You don't have to pay me, you know, and then you do well and people show up and the bar does great. Or and then whatever. they ask you back and then they and pay then you. And you say, oh, well, you know, yeah. Can I have a hundred bucks this time and a bar tab? So while everybody else is studying, you're out playing music. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, SMU is always, I even like when I come, when I go back to Dallas and I drive past SMU, I get a really physically a strange like a feeling. And it's or not and I like, always but I mean, tell Betsy, my wife, of just because she didn't know me in that time. Yeah. And, and I always tell her that it's, it's just a, it's a weird, it's not happy. It's not sad. It's just this feeling that is, reminds me of a time that is just kind of like, I didn't really fit, fit in. I did, yeah. I was or, kind of one fit in one fit out. Um, so I spent about 18 months. I was in my freshman year, I was full-time student and by my sophomore year, I was part-time definitely just wanting to like yeah. do more with music because things had kind of started to happen. And, um, again, just having songs on the internet at that time. I mean, and I will say at that time, which is 2000, 2001, like if you were a dude with a guitar and you had semi-decent songs and they were on the internet, people wanted to hear them. That's amazing. It was just, yeah, that genre of music was just like, everything was being like kind of swooped up in that scene. There was just a scene that John Mayer just like kind of created so did you open for him? Yeah, many, many times. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how does that happen? I mean, I know nothing about how this world works. It's all, I mean, again, this is, it's way different nowadays, or I, I should say it's way different. It was way different then. Well, now you put, right. put some um, on YouTube because or TikTok or whatever. Even though there was, there was, um, even though there was Napster, um, there still was compared to now, there still was like, like not a whole lot of music out there. It was almost kind of because now, because nowadays, right? I mean, I mean you, know, you, you go on yeah. Spotify and there's you can find millions of new people. There's millions of songs being mm -hmm. uploaded onto Spotify alone or YouTube or wherever you get your music. I mean, we're on Spotify. Yeah, so, <laughs> I, I saw that. I was like, you can listen to podcasts. So think on about Spotify? how much more music yeah. is even just available 
So it's like exponential. It was almost that the number of people wanting to listen to it outweighed the number of songs that were yeah. on the internet. And so, so interesting. Yeah. So like when I, when I was, when I first started and I kind of know this now looking back, like the way it used to be in the, you know, in the early days, all the way to probably like the, the mid nineties before the internet essentially kind of took things over, you know, there were like gatekeepers. You, you would, the only way your music got out there is if an executive at a record label heard your music, distributed it and, or put it on. The I was going to ask That's you. It, right? That's it. Yeah. So, so right. there's I mean, literally like you, you hear these stories of, Oh, we went to LA, right. we played at the, venue, the guy saw us and he signed us and that was it. Well, that's so in the early two thousands compared to now, like it was kind of in between. So you had this, you had Napster and you had LimeWire and all these yeah. new ways for music to get out there digitally. Um, but then compared to now, it was like this big, nothing, you know, that, so, does that make sense? Yes. So like, now it's it, they're the That's record labels. The only don't, way to get it out there, is yeah. And the radio is like, who? If you're a new artist, like you don't. You don't radio, yeah, you I hear the same seven. Yeah. I've heard the radio. Justin Bieber seven times today. So when I was started, I mean, the radio mm -hmm. still was like everything. But you also had this avenue of where you could. For me, I remember being a sophomore in college, um, and really wanting to like tour. And so I would stuff Manila envelopes with my CDs, and I would send them to managers. Still kind of old. And school. then how did you get there? It wasn't like you looked it up on the internet. Yeah. I looked it up on the internet. So all that was, I'm trying to think I yeah. had my first email address. Yeah, so it was like all 96. like available, but you, but it was kind of, again, this, this middle, this, this like gray area of the old school kind of like analog way of making it in the music business. And then this new kind of digital wild west. So which like, one took hold for you? So for Manila me, it was the old school the, for old me. School? Like, I, well, that's like, God, that's, that's a good question. So look at your super pro. Oh, oh thank you. Okay, great question. God, um, really a question I've never really answered before. <laughs> um, so I, so I had this music that was getting out there on in this weird no man's land that was called Napster and you never know who was downloading it or who was sharing it or whatever. And so I would get emails from different places across the country and the world. If I heard your song and it was like, Whoa, that's cool. But on the flip side, I knew I still wanted to tour and I wanted to be on the radio and I knew that I wanted to do that. And so those two kind of channels were like, uh, what's the right way to like parallel? A like a right. but also like opposing forces, right? Yeah. So, so in your letter in the envelope, did you say, and you can listen to me on Napster? So and I would I'm just, I literally, yeah. I mean, I just, uh, and I had, I had friends that helped me out. I mean, Brian, my business partner now mailed letters to his uh, fraternity brothers and alumni. Oh, of to course get Brian gigs. did. Like yeah. um, I would mail envelopes um, to managers that I saw on the back of CD covers that, you know, oh, yeah, I didn't and I got one response from a guy in Virginia beach, Virginia. And, um, yeah. And that's I, where Dave, Dave and Matthews I just said, was my name's Virginia. Graham Colton. Here's yeah. my CD. I just made it. Um, I've been playing gigs. I, this, and in those days, yeah, people actually listened. Well, some people. And so he reached out and was like, and he was a promoter in the Virginia area. And he was like, I'll arrange a tour for you and your band. And which, your band, you're like, uh, my, band. my I band. Had, I had guys that I was playing with. Call my friends with, from high school. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I, I, my grandfather was a car salesman. And so I had a van 
And I called my parents and was just kind of like, Hey, I need to go part-time because I need to do this tour. And we're going to drive from Dallas all the way up to Charlottesville, Virginia. And you're barely 20 at back. this point. Oh yeah. I was 19. I was, I was 20. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, do you let your kids do that? Like, I, I mean, I guess I would. I mean, they're grown ups yeah. at that point. And well, I, again, I have super cool parents. And yeah, so you're right. I think they, they were... kind of trusted me that like, this is real. And they had helped yeah. me pay for the CD that I recorded mm -hmm. in Dallas. Um, and I think they kind of felt like some things were starting to happen that weren't just normal, I guess, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, and so we did that tour and I think it was three or four shows up and back. And this was a way for me to go meet this manager person. Um, and he arranged some concerts that were just like, for us, like epic. Like one was downtown Washington, D.C. called Coca-Cola Sessions. We opened for Better Than Ezra. Oh, you did? Yeah. Who then, yeah, who I've become really close, lifelong friends with. Another one was at a college. Uh, I think it was an all-girls college, so that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, Sweetbriar? Baldwin? Uh, uh, what? Hollins Hollins, that's the other one. Do you know Hollins? Yes. Hollins? It's right next to Sweetbriar and Mary, I mean, Mary Baldwin. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it was like an outdoor stage uh, that was no bigger than like this table seemingly in the middle of like the student union. But still, it was like a blast, yeah. you know. And so um, signed with that manager um, who ended up being uh, he was very close, not only friends, but in multiple sort of uh, business dealings with a, a, a manager named Corn Capshaw who managed Dave Matthews Band. Oh. And so it was almost like overnight that was it. And we were just like on tour immediately. And then my, I'm going to probably get my dates wrong, but I think it was the spring of my sophomore year. We were asked to go on tour with counting crows. And we literally after that never stopped. It was just tour after tour after tour. It gives me chills. Were it you was looking back. Or were I you exhausted? What, what, oh I, mean, God, I guess you're no, young. You're young. So you're, you're, yeah, that's kind those of those first yeah. initial times where it was just like, and you don't know. And the greatest thing is just, we, I was so ignorant. So you just don't like, I knew it was special and I knew like, this is cool, but you, but you don't know how lucky you are to just it to happen that fast. Mm -hmm. um, the guy in Virginia beach, I mean, you didn't know anything about him. I mean, he could have turned out well, to be, I knew that he was credible yeah. because just because I had researched who to send these manila envelopes to. Um, and he had, he had worked with and managed other bands and he was also kind of a concert promoter. And so he, you know, you don't just get those gigs. So he right. obviously pulled some favors to sort of, you know, do uh, get us those opportunities. And it also developed a trust of like, okay, this guy's legit. We can spend some time with him. So by the time we had gotten back to Dallas and before that counting crows tour, it was, I was totally out of the college mindset. I had a dorm room uh, <laughs> that you didn't that somebody live in. Was paying that for. was, yeah, yeah, that was, that was, I, I wasn't a part of the university and, and, and never, like I said, never rushed. Um, just, I think in my heart just knew I didn't, didn't fit. Um, so I, I do, I do have, I have very like mixed feelings about Dallas. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of years later when we kind of seemingly had just gone from tour to tour to tour, um, I had an apartment in Dallas that I never saw and I was no longer a student. So it was just, yeah, just an odd time to be a touring artist with an empty apartment. Um, and you know, like we had, we had gotten signed to universal records in 2002. Um, and 
you know, I remember we got signed and our, we had an accountant and, um, you know, in those days, this is when they were like big record deals. You know, it was like the old, you know, this was like, cause that's how you made money that you, there wasn't. Yeah. You, I mean, you sign a record deal and it's, and it's the, the whole contract is this thick and it's just, it's like, whoa, this is actually happening. And, um, and I remember our accountant told all five of our band members, you know, Hey, this is not a lot of money and it's not going to last. So you need to go on salary. We were like, "Wow, a sal- like a salary? Like a what? Like a real job? Yeah. And You're like, only was, people that work in banks and said, go we're on gonna, salary. Yeah, we're going to, and then he said, we're going to do, you know, we're going to put you on health insurance and we're going to uh, put you guys on salary. It's going to last a couple of years. And it was $1,500 a month. And we were just And like, you were on oh tour God, with- some, we, we did it. We made it, you know. Wait, you were on tour with big bands uh-huh. and it was $1,500 a month per person, I yeah, guess, at that point. Yeah, which was a fortune to us. I mean, we it was a fortune. Well, I guess it's not like you were, if you got rid of your apartment in Dallas, you weren't paying to live anywhere because you were at a hotel every night. This- yeah, I had no expenses. I had, I had an apartment and that's it. Yeah. You that know? makes sense. And then, cause we were on tour almost every, I mean, we, we were playing at least 200 shows a year at that point. Wow. For um, $1,500. Golly. I guess it was 20 years ago. I mean, at this point. Nothing. Yeah. So and how we did were, you, we were rich. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, I would think mm-hmm. that would be rich. Yeah. If you don't have any kids, <laughs> yeah. you, don't have wa- you know, I mean, if you have none of the responsibilities of yeah. life, you are rich. Yeah. So how did you make your way back to Oklahoma city? Yeah. I, it was, um, I'm trying to think of when exactly it was. I mean, I, I definitely, I remember there was a time mid two thousands where, um, I, I kind of realized this is the, having this apartment in Dallas is silly. And I remember I put my stuff in storage and ended my lease. And I kind of just fumbled around, went to Oklahoma city, um, holidays kind of stuff, and then figured out, didn't know what I was going to do next. Um, and I, I remember that time of just like, I had, I had a storage unit of just my couch and my massive, which by the way, was probably worth nothing TV. Yeah. You (laughs) wasted a lot of money in that storage unit. Uh, and, and, I think it was maybe after the holidays or something, I, I realized that I could, I could still go on tour and technically live in Oklahoma city that Dallas wasn't really doing anything for me. Yeah. Um, Cause I wasn't really just gigging around Dallas at that point, you know? So, um, again, kind of just this weird time whenever I just have had multiple kind of, uh, moments in Dallas where it just wasn't like a fit, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to like, live there or like wasn't meeting people. I wasn't out doing that. I mean, I, I had, I had close friends there. Don't get me wrong, but it was like, uh, yeah. Didn't really fit at SMU. It It was an address. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then a storage unit. And so, um, yeah, strangely, um, (laughs) Brian Bogert, one of my best friends called me and said, Hey, there's a house across the street from me in, uh, where you grew up, you know, where we live and you can buy it. And I was like, I can't buy a house. I have no money. <laughs> you know? And he was like, yeah, yeah, you can. I promise you can. <laughs> and, I love how positive he is. And, he always makes uh, everything sound so and, easy. And so th- we, I, I moved back. Um, and that was. When was that? 2006 or seven. Uh, shortly thereafter, you know, my band broke up, you know, cliche. Just because everybody was getting married and moving on or what? I mean, what's. No, it was just, I think that like really three, four years of just nonstop. Like hotel, uh, hotels, uh, motels. Um, (laughs) Betsy always laughs at me about when I, when I'm like, oh, I stayed there. And it's like a red roof in New Jersey. (laughs) With the doors that open to the outside. Um, And yeah, I mean, motels and I, I mean, we had 
three vans, three trailers, all differently different because we broke them. <laughs> and then just it just caught up with us. It's just yeah. it's like you it's, know, yeah, it's a grind, it's not so. a cliche. Well, it is a cliche of why bands don't stay together. It's just it's 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 just incredibly hard. You know, can it's, you imagine being stuck in a van with your family for it? it really is. I mean, four months. I mean, and four I've even years said this to my wife. Like, no. it's 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 by far. Um, it's like being married to five people, right? You know, um, and also working with them. Yeah. And also having late nights and drinking and that's, you put all that yeah. together and it's, just, it's not meant to work. No, that's the part of um, being a musician that I think would, I could never do is the yeah. staying up as late as you are. And then having all that adrenaline going, I mean, yeah. I can't imagine then having to go to bed and wake up and get on the road. And mm -hmm. I, I just, that kind of life cycle. Oh my gosh. It's, it it's sounds a lot insane. like, um, I mean, I've, I think that in talking to like, Wes Welker, who's a, a good a best friend of mine. Uh, it's, it, it, it's kind of like that. It's like the time when you're actually playing the game is great, but, but all, all the rest, rest of the it. stuff and what you have to do, it's just hard. Yeah. It's which really, is probably really 7% of the time. And I, yeah. and listen, I was like, I mean, when we were really, really in the thick of it with yeah. the band, like five guys all for one, one for all, like I was 20. 21, 22 years old. Right. And I didn't, and you didn't I, know any better. I was an it was idiot. It was a dream. I, mean, I, was, it was I was totally an idiot. I mean, we all were idiots, but I was, you know, the, you know, kind of the leader of the band. The band was in my name. I was, you know, I would change a million things if I could, including how I handled the band breaking up. I didn't but, know. I had no experience other than just like graduating high school. And then two years later, where I'm on the road with, four other guys. But if you hadn't gone through all of that. Yeah. In hindsight, it was the greatest, now, right? like I it mean, was the greatest life lesson or plural lessons I've ever learned. Um, and I do think it helped sort of the greatest thing is it just, you meet and see all types of new people and things and you just learn about life. I mean, it was like, anybody, I felt like it was just, yeah. Like the Jack Kerouac, <laughs> like on the, the road, on yeah. the road. It really mm -hmm. was because you, yeah, you, you learn a lot about life when you're in that environment and you are meeting people that you would never cross paths with normally. Did and it you was miss amazing it when you got home. No. So you, when you, when so you, got you were home, done you said, then. Um, like in your, in your, like with touring that kind of way, it felt done to you. So that's a really, a really good question. So, the the first album that I made for Universal was was quick and it was like back on the road and it was still in that early two thousand. The album came out in two thousand four. It was called Drive. Yeah, we called drive it Drive. Or sing. It was like oh, let's just call it Drive. Yeah, um, but it was kind of like that's all that we really yeah. knew. And so in the early in the early two thousands, again, still kind of this time in music where, um, what if you were playing that kind of music, um, there was always a place for you to open for a larger artist, or there was always clubs that you could play and people would come, you know, it, it was almost, it just still felt like a small club or a small group of a group of us, myself and our, my peers that were again, just kind of dudes with guitars, with l singing soft rock songs like vertical horizon well yeah i mean just, they were our just, band at george right, like, we would go every yeah. monday night to did Dylan's you know or whatever did you ever them. know nello 
Yes. Yeah, that yeah, was our. I played th- with them. Oh, you did. Yeah. Okay, that was our TCU yeah. version of right. the guys with the guitars. TCU. Who- I used to play the Aardvark all the time. Yeah. Oh, that. So, oh, wait. That's yeah. Emmy's favorite place. It really so, is. <laughs> um, so, so in in the in the earlier, yeah, I guess the the mid two thousands, you could you could definitely feel things starting to shift. Where um, I, I I think it's just things just change. Um, technology was changing. Um, you know, CDs were being burned and downloaded. So you could just feel like the whole business from top to bottom was just evolving into this new, no one knew where it was going to go. If yeah. that makes sense. I'm trying so, to, yeah. Cause I went to TCU in 2008 right? and I'm trying to think of when I had iTunes cause I had LimeWire and Napster and all yeah. that, but then there I was think iTunes was out in 02 or 03 because I remember our mm-hmm. album hitting iTunes in 04 and it was brand new. So Napster must've been gone by then because I mean, well, if you remember, there was all that government stuff. Yeah, there was a bunch of. They were and playing all the, it, and they were paying the artists, and but at the same time, it was helping you as an artist. Correct. So I mean, you yeah. no, it wasn't gone because when I my freshman year at TCU, <laughs> if you got caught downloading music, you had to go see the dean because <laughs> you were stealing things. Yes. Yeah. And in a lot of girls in my in two thousand eight, and a lot of girls in my sorority, they all had to go together. It was yeah. pretty bad. I mean, it's, I just created my first Spotify playlist this past weekend right. week, so I mean, I'm way far behind <laughs> the time. Okay. Um. And so you asked the question yeah. of like, d- did, did I, did I, was I done? Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time the kind of the band broke up, the business was changing. And when I say business was changing, I just mean, it was, it was so effortless from like 2001 to 2005, mm-hmm. we were just playing gigs and opening for counting crows and John Mayer and Dave Matthews and everybody we could even think about. It was just like, well, yeah, we're going to go from this tour to that tour and we got to be in Detroit to start the next thing. And then we just, we just go and it's easy. It it started to get harder and you'd have these lulls, you know, and you'd be home. And in my case, back in Oklahoma city, waiting for the phone to ring on just, well, when's the next tour? And it just wasn't as, for whatever reason, it wasn't as easy as it, as it, as it was starting out. And that's because the business was changing and, and, all the bands that was that were easy for us to open for, Counting Crows and um, Jason Mraz and Maroon Five, you know, they were having to deal with the same issues in the business that we were. So, like, it when it's challenging for them, kind of. yeah. And so, when it's challenging for them, they're not going to bring out like band from Dallas by these guys that can't sell any tickets, you know. It, it's so interesting you say that because now I'm thinking like freshman year at the art bark, it was mm-hmm. Nello and all these fun yeah. guys. And then by senior year, it was like Ghostland Observatory. Yeah, it right. was very, and you know, uh, mm-hmm. Sound Tribe Sector 9. Yeah. And yeah. it changed into this more electronic. Yeah, things was, just Is changed. that kind of what you're yeah, we're speaking all about? Yeah, all okay. of it. Like it, it, it all, as strange as it sounds, I mean, and again, I kind of like, I guess, know this, like looking back it, when you're in it, you, you're just like, this is weird. Like, yeah. why, why is, why does it feel harder or why, you know? And, um, so I felt like I was back in Oklahoma city, um, just bought my, bought a house, a little, little house. And I was different than I was at, you know, I mean, I'm like 26, 27 right. at this point and I'm different than, you know, it's just a different all thing altogether. And I'm like, it's harder. I have to make a second album. And at that time I was technically like a solo artist. It was no longer the Graham Colton band. It was just me, which, so 
you know, all those factors, it would just made it um, different. Yeah. And so I wanted to tour um, and go and I and I continued to do that, but it never was the same of like us five guys in a van yeah. just going from place to place and just living on the road. Um, and I started to, yeah, I started to not want to be done, but started to really, um, just be depressed about leaving. I wanted to be, I wanted to be uh, songwriting more and recording and creating. Um, and I also had kind of gotten in this weird phase of like, just feeling like, um, what's the right way to explain it? Like I, well, you know, it felt like I'd had some success with the first album and had done some things and it, and feeling like it wasn't good enough in the, in the eyes of the record label, it wasn't deemed as successful. And so I started to get kind of competitive with myself and I started to, to make decisions and do things that were kind of like for commercial reasons. Mm. And, you know, you hear this all the time right, from yeah. like people. And so I just felt like, okay, I have to go bigger. I got to go bigger and shinier and more commercial because that's the only way that I'm going to get from, I'm going to, you know, and I, you know, even silly things, you're just like, I don't want to be in a van anymore. I want to be in a tour bus. You just think, oh, that's going to solve your problems. Right. <laughs> it's like when you're like, uh, it's like the people that say, oh, you know, let's have a baby. That'll, that'll solve our oh, problems. Yeah. You know? That is not solving. Well, it's the same thing with a band. You're just like, if we could just get in a tour bus. But I also think you're probably watching your friends, maybe who weren't in the music business. They were getting promoted in their jobs and they were now. All of it. You know, the vice yeah. president instead of the. All of it. Analyst. And, and, or, and, you know, and other peers, musicians that, you know, they were, they had just gotten a song on Grey's Anatomy or. They, they're touring, you know, oh, did you hear about so-and-so, you know, they, they just sold out, uh, the big place in New York city. And I'm just like, so you get in this mindset, um, where, yeah, I mean, I, I just started to not be in a good place. Does it, and it makes um, you make music that maybe you wouldn't make otherwise, absolutely. right? Like music that didn't, oh, didn't absolutely. feel authentic and to so you. So my second album for universal, um, I got a new A&R person because the other one got fired. So here I am with this new uh, person who doesn't know me, didn't sign me. It's like a basketball team or a football team that didn't draft you. So, yeah. So this person isn't looking out for you. Maybe. Oh no, they don't care. I'm just contractually, yeah, he's music. contractually yeah. obligated to make an album with me and I'm contractually obligated to make an album with him. Um, and so I went to LA and kind of lived there for a little while at, you know, month at a time. And I just wrote, I wrote, uh, with as many different songwriters as I could. Some was, some of it was awesome because it really validated how much I loved songwriting, but half of it was absolutely miserable Aww. because you find yourself in these little studios or little rooms or paired up with some guy you've never met or girl you've never met. And you're supposed to write a hit because a hit is the only thing that's going to make the record label Anybody. release the album and get behind it which is going to get you into the tour bus, which is going to get you back on the road. Oh. And so it was lonely and exciting and all at the same time. And I had, you know, broken up with my band. Um, and it was just, it was just a really, again, kind of a, a strange time. Um, 
But think about all those people you had to go write with and all the different yeah, scenarios. And, and that you I had feel to like I feel like for your in. listeners, I feel like I'm being kind of whiny and I don't mean to say that it no, wasn't I, amazing because here I was, I was a musician, I, it, but I guess to answer your question is, was I done? I, I just had, I was in a new phase where it wasn't fresh and exciting anymore. It was a job. Right. Yeah. And, and when I it becomes almost, work, it's when not it becomes, good. That's exactly the way mm-hmm. to say it. It yeah. had become work and it had, and, and especially like when you're in, when it, when it becomes work and like your, the, your name and your likeness and your voice and your songs well, and your creativity are the thing. It just, it, it sucked Yeah, because I, I didn't like waking up every day and like being like, what can I do in the Graham Colton business today? That's going to make me more popular. That oh. sucks. Uh, yeah. And I still struggle with that. I yeah. still don't like that. Um, well, but, now with social media and all of that, it's, yeah. it's, oh, it's, the, it's, it's being it's in the business of selling yourself is it is business yeah. is booming for. And it's a, a lot really, really like difficult balance to really keep things kind of healthy. Right. And it's something I think, yeah, everybody. I mean, I find that with Greta for yeah, sure. You have to like. That, well, even with this, sometimes I have a hard time posting on Instagram mm-hmm. and it's like, I just wish people would listen to the podcast yeah. and that would be it because yeah. but no, you've, but uh, you have to do the other stuff too. And so I found myself like in, in those days where I was, I, I would, I would, you know, show up to LA or they would fly me to Nashville because I still had like a budget that was provided by the record company to make this second album. And, and that some of that was travel. Some of that was, you know, so I, w- I was still able to go make music, but yeah, I found myself just like creating things and writing things that were just not authentic. And I think that you can, I can certainly hear that. You can tell when you listen yeah. to it. When I listen to it and it, and, and sometimes when you listen to things and you look back or pictures you take and you look at yourself and you're just like, God, what was I wearing? Well, I have that with my music. And I'm, I think that's the true for every artist is you just kind of know what place you were in. And sometimes it works to your advantage because you tap into that. Mm-hmm. And I had a song called best days that was at that time, the most commercial song that I had ever done. And it really was a pure, honest song about living life to the fullest. And, but I was just in a super dark place when I wrote it. You weren't living life to the fullest when you wrote it. And it was super interesting. Um, And if you could hear some of the songs like that I wrote during that time, I mean, I bet I wrote 200 songs. Were they all for you or did you sell them to other people? No, they were all for me. Uh, Well, they were all for me, like starting for with me in mind. But, you know, you walk into these sessions in L.A. And like I said, you know, um, I mean, I did, for example, one of the coolest sessions, but also not authentic was I went to write with Richard Marks at his house outside of Chicago, which is like a freaking mansion on the lake. And I lived for a week in his like back house and I'm writing with Richard Marks like this pop world pop star and we wrote um how do you start how do you like like, um how do you even you just hey how are you what do you want to write about and the hard part with with that is when you write with somebody that's that famous um you know he kind of has his voice right his art artistic stamp and I have what I want to do, but you want to stretch and you don't necessarily want to be the same person you were on the last album. So you find yourself doing things and creatively that might be uncomfortable, which sometimes is really good. 
but in that instance, I just, yeah, I just found myself like every time I would sit down, just like swinging for the fences, you know, just like, what can I do? That's going to be bigger and more shiny and more wow-ish than I did before. And more times than none, that's when it goes wrong. Cause you know, I didn't start writing songs in my bedroom like that. You just write little catchy melodies. Yeah. You just, you you write about life experiences and you're not thinking about making a hit, making a hit. So how did you, how did you get out of that phase and sort of come back to, I mean, you're Um, still making I feel like I had, I had kind of like when I got dropped from the record label, which was actually a week after I played Letterman. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Was this, I saw you on the Today Show once. Yeah. I, I was, was really that lucky same? in that, in that during that time when Best Days came out and, and that song managed to find its way onto American Idol and Oprah and HBO and all these. Yeah. I was going to um, say, I remember reading on your Wikipedia about that song <laughs> and how, how it really was super successful. So I'm a little shocked to hear that then you were dropped. It's, it's just at, I mean, again, without sounding like, I promise I'm going to get more positive. It's and okay. Not we have, sound. But it is, people. it is just, yeah, it is, it is the truth. Um, so yeah, it was like, you know, I have this song and, and, um, it, you, you're like, it's happening. You know I mean? I'm, I, I'm just, I played Letterman and my grandparents are in the audience, you know, and my wife is there and you're just like, it's, it's, and the, the next morning I played the today show with, you know, there's Anne and you know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> you're right. It was Anne. Oh, Anne, you know? Anne sweet uh, Anne. Sweet Anne. She <laughs> Matt was, awesome. was there too. Uh, oh God. And, and Katie, yeah, was we it did, after Katie or before we did Katie? Uh, Ellen the day, the week before. And like, um, wait, again, can I ask a question about yeah, Ellen? I already can tell you. She's mean. She's mean. Oh. Wasn't mean to me. But just not nice. But not nice. Uh, I, that's what I'd heard for years. And then all this stuff came out and I was like, yeah. this is She what... tries to pretend like though it wasn't her. It was all of her. Well, I think minions. it was. Okay. Well, then we Anyways, digress. we digress. I remember Ellen okay. and I had on, at that time I was really into wearing a vest. So you guys were matching? So we were totally matching that day. <laughs> Wait, this and is I funny. thought this is when I was, you know, you're talking like this is 2007, which really, if you look back at 07. It's a hard year. It's a cruel fashion time. It was yeah. bad. It's bad. Mm-hmm. It's really bad. And yeah, I was one of the jeans. biggest culprits. Um, and <laughs> I thought I was, yeah, pretty cool singer dude would wear a vest over like a collared shirt. Did you have a stylist or did you come up with this vest idea? We, on I had own? stylists in like photo shoots and music video shoots. And if you look at some of those photos, which I'm sure you can find, yep. they're just, you just, it's, it's just bad. Like, did I really do that? Well, so here, but here's really the thing. And I know, so we, I know we're sidetracking this? a lot. <laughs> she had I, I do same. have to talk about this. Yeah. This is good. So it, it's the same thing. So when, when you're, I remember for the second album, again, that was just me, the, uh, we had, the label had rented this, this house in the Hollywood Hills, this kind of famous, I've seen it used in other photo shoots and you show up and you're just like, okay, we're doing the album photo shoot. Okay. And, and so I, I get there. I promise I'll make my way back to Ellen. This is all just, I I love hearing all of this. So (laughs) I remember I get there and they have, um, you know, there's a, there's a pool and there's a big living room with a huge giant, like stuffed polar bear or something and like rugs and all these different, it's, it's a really cool, yeah, famous kind of place to shoot photos. And I go into this side room and they've got tables and racks of clothing already picked hold out for you. on hold, on hold for, for me, I guess. Yeah. But this person who picked them out, they don't know me. They don't, we didn't talk like they're just like, Oh, it's a guy. And it's an album 
so so then you walk into this room. If it's Rachel Zoe, I would have died. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I wasn't nearly that popular. Well, but back but then she, she was really pulling for oh, photo shoot. Oh yeah. yeah. She started so, somewhere. But the, but the so the, the funny thing is is so that you walk into this room and all these these clothes are there uh, for yeah, you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, then you feel obligated to wear them. Were they like metallic? Because what are you I mean, like? What, what the... I, am I going to be the? Am I going to be the freaking diva that says no? I'm not wearing the, the, any of these clothes. Half of them that had writing on them and skulls no. or whatever. You know. Oh no, like a leather with fringe. Like what was the? Yeah, I mean, but but think about it. 2006, 2007. Oh, I'm thinking of like literally the show, the yeah, like. the hills and the guys with like yeah. Brody like Jenner. Oversized? And so what if you look, look at like? some of those photos, <laughs> it, it it literally was just me just trying to like make my tell myself you know that like oh this is just this is what you got to do you got to just do it it's so interesting you're Um, saying this because i feel like you hear these stories a lot with women in the music industry like them being told they have to wear these scandalous outfits and things like that yeah but then it i mean listen to me i'm like complaining no 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 i'm not trying to my like spiky mid 2000s no i'm not trying to point that out and uh, saying you know you didn't have to wear a crop top but it is interesting that this did not just apply to women and it wasn't like it wasn't like Anybody was necessarily saying you have to wear this. You just, you walk into the room and it's, and it's prepared for you. You don't want to be the asshole. That's like, well, cause you're a nice I'm not going to wear yeah. that because right. you're just, again, you're, you're just, just trying, trying to get to the next you're level. Just you're trying, trying to get, get the to hit. the next thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're just trying and you're like, Oh God, they've rented this place. I have no idea how much this costs or whatever. So at that time, I, you know, I had my mid two thousands look. And it was very vest heavy. Gonna, and it can was, we post it was, a picture of this heavy. on Instagram? Yeah, I will. I will find it. And I get to the Ellen show and she's in the exact same outfit. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember after I played, you know, I'm like, well, yeah, we just rocked it, you know? And were they Ellen like, you need to redo of, it because you're wearing kinda, the vest? Ellen was like, you can never wear it. Ellen was kind of next to me and she had just done her thing and they, whatever, they cut, you know, and I kind of looked over and I was like, hey, you know, look, we got the same Twinsies. thing. Twinsies. We wore the same thing today. <laughs> hey, Ellen, you know, and she just gave me this look of just like, oh, that'll be in the next, the yeah. Out of here. You know, like, <laughs> I never wore over. the same thing as Ellen yeah. after that. Um, but uh, wait, that's amazing. I bet that was in the contract. <laughs> so I just immediately got the feeling, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think Ellen's too. Too sweet. Too sweet. Wait, so you got married before or during this time? Yes. Now I'm how did you do, and Betsy now I'm meet? Have to do math. Sorry. How did you guys uh, meet? Uh, we so we met at OU Texas. Oh. Um, so back in Dallas. Back in Dallas. See, happen. so lots of good things happen in Dallas. I had literally flown from LA when I finished that album to Dallas to go to the football game. Did you bring the vest with you? Uh, I hope you weren't wearing the vest when you met Betsy. No, I don't think, I don't think the vest existed yet because that was like before, you know, that was, you know, uh, before the album was packaged and ready and and all that. So I had finished recording it, um, flew to Dallas um, and met Betsy at a bar on Greenville. Which one? Jim and I met at a bar. uh, It was called Zephyr's. Oh, I didn't know Zephyr's. Um, and yeah, the rest is history. Was it love at first sight? Absolutely. Or? It was absolutely love at first sight. I can see why. So She's she was awesome. with you during this kind of time. She was. Of- so, so that, so, you know, w- when you make the album, you know, it's like a year later till it comes out. So we fast and furious relationship, just like couldn't get enough of each other. Um, it's still like that. Um, at least it is for me. <laughs> I think uh, it is for her too. Um, and but and then when the album kind of came out and things kind of started to happen, um, it wasn't like I said, you know, wasn't 
hit the road kind of like it was in the early days, it was a lot more commercial, you know, it was like, um, those kind of TV appearances, there was a lot more music and TV shows and those kind of things. Um, but yeah, we, I would be away from her for two, three weeks at a time or, um, were you guys, had you gotten married at this point? No, we were dating at that point. Well, cause when you were talking about this earlier, I was wondering if I kind of got the sense of you wanted to be more rooted. Absolutely. I mean, I had definitely come back home to Oklahoma city and started to fall in love with my hometown again, met Betsy. Now I have like, you know, I've got a life. Yeah. A house. And yeah. And so, yeah, I was a different person and Mm -hmm. I never expected to meet somebody, especially like in Dallas at a bar. (laughs) Um, and, um, or somebody from Oklahoma City that I didn't already know, but she's right because you think you know me, everybody so. when you grow up here. Yeah, and so then just kind of spent the next um, few years just songwriting, a little bit of touring, definitely traveling um, uh, for fun traveling or work traveling. Well, work traveling. Where if I wasn't touring, I would go to Nashville for a week at a time and come back. And I definitely started to really like when I got dropped from the record label, it kind of was a blessing Released you from because having yeah, to you, you, mess with all you that. were like, okay, let's, let's go do kind of the indie thing where you, you know, you want to keep it going, but yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of free, freed up to had a lot of your peers that were kind of in your circle felt this way too. had oh, this yeah. sort of been their tra- trajectory. So Absolutely. did you kind of reconnect with them for three, four years later in this yeah, kind of indie uh, realm? Yeah. And, and keep in mind, like, so much more music again is just flooding like the space because there's all this technology being for people to listen to more music. So it's just, there's more bands, there's more artists, there's more songwriters, there's more, there's more genres, more more genres. Um, and so, you know, I think that it was, it was an amazing time because yeah, I met the love of my life. Um, but it was also hard because I was kind of back to being one fit in one fit out. Yeah. Um, It sounds like that. Which now looking back was the greatest thing ever, but really things didn't really start to fully click until the Jones assembly came along. So how did that, and so how did that happen? Did, did, had you and Brian sort of been cooking this up? For, oh yeah. So yeah, Brian I mean, so. and I both lived in Dallas at the same time. He's five years older than me and went to SMU also, but um, we had been talking about this is long before he was even in the restaurant business. You know, we had talked about, Oh, we, you know, one day we should, yeah, before he had a music venue or we should, cause we loved music and, um, I had, a, had a great group of friends in Dallas, but, um, uh, and when I would come home I mean, Brian and I would, would hang out and he was, he was doing awesome things and really becoming a, a, a restaurateur. Um, and he had chosen to live in Oklahoma city after he had traveled, right. You know, he would, he would go off to Mexico city and different places with his consulting company and, um, but it wasn't until he and Manny started Texadelphia where they, you, you could kind of tell like they had, they had come back home and really started to build something. Um, and I would go perform at seven forty seven sometimes. <laughs> and that was, you know, just With all the college just, girls. Yeah. Just a crazy party, you know, party <laughs> thing. Um, and so, but it really wasn't until Brian and Fred Hall had, you know, kind of the idea of wanting to do something. And that was really where it started. And then we looked at some different buildings and properties and I was still kind of in musician mode. 
but definitely wanting to be in Oklahoma City. I could feel what was happening in Oklahoma City and I wanted to be a part of it. And like you said, I was now kind of rooted and um, had just had our first, our fir- you know, first little one. Aww. And um, so it, it just, yeah. And, and the, it was kind of, it, you know, interesting because the Jones Assembly as a, as a thing was, really a couple of years before the doors opened. Yeah. And, I remember yeah, meeting you know. with the, for the scout guide right. before the doors oh, were before open. Before they even opened? Uh-huh. And I, oh yeah. I mean, I we re- were in the building a year before even we were open. Yeah. Because that building was an empty warehouse. Totally. Been so abandoned. there was construction. There was, you know how it is when you're, yeah. So there was, there was multiple phases of just, you know, e- even being in the building um, before we actually were, open. So Uh, were there things that you took into this relationship with the partners in the Jones assembly that you had learned from your being in your band that you, that sort of um, taught you maybe. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think so at the time I was just, I I was just following like the, the experts, you know? Um, I mean, that is like the one thing that I feel like I am extraordinarily good at is I, I surround myself with people that are way better than me, period. And I, I think that. that's a, like, that's a gift because starting you don't have with my wife, ego, like, right. And you're like, just starting <laughs> with my wife. Like I, I am super good at, at finding people that are better than me, which make me way better. I can look at every single part of my, anything I've had success with. There's always people that are better than me that are like a part of it. But um, I think you're bringing something to the table here. I mean, I don't well, think I they could, would have had the, the table. music I just, connections. I do have like, like I, I'm good at that. Yeah. I'm good at finding people that are awesome. I, I was going to say so, people picking is a superpower yes, for sure. It really is. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. The, so the beginning of the Jones, the way, when it came together, I mean, absolutely. I was, I was using things, especially on the music side, kind of on the vibe side, you know, I've always liked sort of that kind of stuff, but I had no restaurant experience at all. Nothing. So I was very much just kind of like, I don't want to, you know, I just kind of, Hey, I, I'll help out where I can. I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but looking back, you know, there were some huge decisions made that I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm so thankful that we made the right right. decision. How did the decision get made to make the modular furniture that moves around to open up the stage? I mean, so the Jones, the Jones is like, for me, and I think this is kind of like almost making an album. It, I would say it's like 70% really, really purposeful mm-hmm. and 30% sort of accidental because we were purposeful in other ways. I, th- I, I can so totally see that. So to answer your question, that. like movable furniture, we always, Brian and I always knew that like to maximize the space, we needed to be flexible with moving things and doing different things in one space. Cause we didn't have enough real estate to do a massive concert and then dinner is going to be over here. So we knew we had to do that. So we um, just got with our architect and built kind of, it was Brian's idea to do the in the round kind of thing, mm-hmm. which was genius. I love that. Um, but it was, um, you know, we had just, the Jones is like, one million small decisions that create this big, huge, massive thing. And that's kind of what I learned is like, it's really all about the small little details that keep it going and that what made made it what it is. And when the pandemic started, obviously it was probably pretty difficult business to be in, but in a way, thank goodness you had the restaurant piece of it 
Yeah, it was kind of like could, a like a like what I can imagine turning like a big massive cruise ship around. Is, right, is you you can't just push a button and turn it off. So there was there was a month of just like shutting the engines down, and then like. Was it, I there for the last it was concert, un- the Indigo Girls? Was that the yeah, last one? Yeah. It was unimaginable. I mean, we have such a massive operation. I think the the narrative, I think people might just think that because it's so big and there's always activity going on that we we were okay. But it, it was very scary for a, a, a little while. I think you guys, I mean, you were already in hyper creativity mode, mm-hmm. but I think that even the, the content sort of that you've mm-hmm. pumped out in the past year in terms of the special days that you yeah. do and the the graphics and the assets that go right. along with those and the drinks yeah. that you make and I may mean, think it was maybe I don't know what was it fourth of July and Brian's like oh I'll send you my fourth of July or yeah. like fourth yeah. of July menu Spotify mix that like went with the menu and you scanned yeah. the QR code and it just the attention to detail well and we just is, and really we we just we all kind of have our not necessarily areas of expertise but we all kind of have our areas of that we're passionate about and they could be the littlest things. Um, What's your area? Well, obviously music. Yeah. I mean, obviously music. I mean, I, I, I definitely feel like my area that I enjoy beyond the music piece is just sort of the vibe. I really like, I'm don't consider myself an interior decorator or any kind of person that could ever be in the room with really talented people in that capacity. But I, I do feel like the, a, the biggest or one of the biggest pieces of the Jones is the way it feels. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I'm really proud of, of just kind of what we, what we did in that capacity. Um, but it was, you know, the Jones just checked so many boxes for me that was, that I was able to feel like I could, I could contribute. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's what scares me about other restaurants or, or doing anything with, you know, just a traditional restaurant or even a traditional concert venue, because I don't even find myself wanting to do like only music. It was like the Jones checked so many different boxes for me. I felt like I could contribute and I felt like I I could sort of lend perspective and, and be of value. But I don't know if it was just music or if it was just food that I ever, if I could really ever feel like I really fit in. Well, now you're giving back to the community by bringing these smaller local artists who've oh, been yeah, out yeah. of work yeah. for how, a year. Right. Um, I, I, whenever I saw that and actually, um, oh my gosh, Noah, who did our yeah. song, oh, right. he was there. Was when? It? And we right. missed it? Yeah, we did. I know. When I'm so it? sad. Was it Saturday or oh, Friday? Oh, spring break. Oh. Yeah, it was spring break. Right. He, right. he, uh, He's great. We have one of his songs. Yeah. As a song for, intro. But yeah. yeah, I was I, so excited to see you guys doing that. Yeah. It's, it's just the, that's the thing that I think keeps me engaged is that there's always, and was the hardest during the pandemic is just, is the Jones is really all about like consistency. And on one hand from the food side, the beverage side, yeah, I agree, which is what Brian is so good at. Um, and and then the inconsistency of a new concert or a new event or, and also Brian's brilliant at that as well. And that's what I really like about the Jones is, is there's always like a challenge uh, that's inconsistent. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. you know, no, no two concerts are the same. No two events are the same. No two holiday Christmas mm. party request is the same. And that's what makes it really interesting and fun. So it's like a challenge. You know, what about the, day. 
What's the, it called? The, the Motor City? Brunch. The, no, the motor, motor Club. Oh, yeah, Motor Club. Did it start in March? How's it no, going? It's, it's going to start this spring. This oh, spring. Um, yeah, the Motor Club is just, yeah, kind of another thing that as we've grown and um, learned about our customers and our friends and relationships we've made with with different, uh, you know, cool distilleries uh, across the country. We just thought, why don't we do like a, like a member-only club and we have this sort of like immersive – um, you know, spirit, whiskey driven food, culture, music, like event type club. Yeah. That's so and, cool. Um, and I yeah, it was, that was, that was, so there's all, there's always these things that we envisioned that the Jones could do, but until you're in it and you, we just always try to keep it fresh. I would say that's the biggest challenge, but also the coolest thing is that we just try to keep pushing. You know? I yeah. think you're doing that. I think you are so too. well because I mean, when I got the invitation for the motor club in the mail, I was like, God, this is amazing. Oh, this is such a great you. idea. It was beautifully done. The paper was beautiful. The concept was interesting. And there's always something new like that coming out from you guys. We, we try, we try really, really hard, hard to do <laughs> to that. Pump that um, out. Because yeah, it's, it's, it's um, sometimes like we'll hire new people and, you know, that come from, different backgrounds, different re restaurant backgrounds or bar backgrounds or music backgrounds or whatever. And, and it, it's, you can't even really apply um, traditional experience to the Jones because right. it's such its own thing. Which gives you freedom um, to really yeah. try anything. Right. And we just have like, th again, the most amazing team. Like I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, when Brian and I first, you know, had the, I think if he were here, he he would agree that like, again, half of it, I think we knew kind of what to expect and we can prepare for, but there is no real book for a place like that. And it's kind of, again, like, I feel like that first album that I made where you're just, we're just doing it, you know, and we're mm -hmm. four years into it and it's like, and you're, you're still, still having fun. Oh yeah. I, I still have a blast. I mean, the kids that work for us are just like the greatest. Do you and feel like you're mentoring these people that work. I mean, I love that's hard for me to say, but I, I love feel the like young I, people that come to work for me. And that I know that they're going to go on beyond yeah. Greta and do such great things in the world. Yeah. And I love that part of it. I, I just, it's just so cool to see like these kids and I say kids, I mean, you know, what they're I mean. younger than they are. Um, they've come from wherever they've been before, but they, they get to be a part of something that I feel is the heartbeat of the city. And Definitely. I feel like they buy into it. And they make it their own, you know, I mean, I will overhear, um, you know, one of our managers or one of our servers or event coordinators or bartenders talking to a guest or somebody explaining, oh, this was, this used to be a factory where they made Model Ts or this. And you can just tell, like, they're not doing that because they're told to do that. Yeah. Like and they, they're the taking pride in it. Mm -hmm. feeling being somebody who's from Oklahoma city and just loves my city so much and watching what's happening, like they're a part of it. So and, where know. do you see the Jones going in 10 years? Well, where do you um, see you too? Yeah. It's kind of a three part question. And it's where do you see yourself in 10 years? Where do you see the Jones and then Oklahoma city as a whole? I don't know where I'll be in 10 years. Um, because everything that has happened to me, especially over the last five has not been anything that I've planned. Um, I've definitely learned that, that if you put good stuff out there, good things will come back to you. But if you force it and you try to do too much or you try, which is a kind of an issue for me at the moment, because I want to do 
more stuff. Um, that, but good things will happen if you just put good stuff out there. So 10 years from now, I don't know where I'll be personally. I absolutely think the Jones will still be a part of my yeah. daily thing because that it just, it just is a part of me. Um, and I think the Jones will just hopefully just continue to like evolve and stay relevant and fresh. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't ever want the Jones to be like uber trendy or follow, you know, it's just kind of like that living, breathing thing that you just want it to age gracefully and you yeah. want it to stay relevant and fresh. And you want to keep doing things that connect and reconnect with new customers. You know, you want those kids that have graduated and maybe come back home um, to feel like the Jones is still the place to go. And it's not trying to be something it's not. Um and Oklahoma City, man, like what a fun time to be here. Right. It's just, great. Obviously, I mean, I think it's great because yeah, we just talk about it all day long. I, I do. Th I think that there are some things um, that Oklahoma City is doing in particular that that I think we're on the verge of like, I always say, like the thing that we can hang our hat on. And 10 years ago, it was the thunder. Mm -hmm. Was it 10 years ago? Yeah. Uh, a little no, more. More. Years ago. Yeah. More because it was. I'm trying to think. I was like a freshman. Oh, maybe it was school? closer to almost like 13 or 14. Yeah. Years I ago. think it was actually closer to 15 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I think that was the first modern, modern day uh, thing. That yeah. Like, oh, OKC okay, can really hang their hat on that. I think there's, there's other things coming. I don't quite know what those are yet, but I, I, Next podcast, maybe we'll know. We'll know. That's I definitely think there are more things we can hang our hat on now. Yeah. And well, and just, I think that some of those things were happening and then the pandemic happened. Yeah. And so I, it, it, the, I agree. getting I, the energy back. I think it used to be, I'm kind of tired of people being like, oh, we're going to be the next Austin or we're going to be no. the next Nashville or the next whatever. I'm so tired of that. I just, I just want to be us. Have but they been us? to Austin recently? Yeah. Because but I want to, because I, 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 I want to be authentically is that a word? Authentically? Well, Go for it. I want to be authentically us. I don't yeah. want to be another version of Austin or another version Brian's of Brian's the same thing. Or what another did he say? version Keep of anything. Oklahoma City Authentic was his yeah. t-shirt. Uh -huh. yes. And I think yeah. that we are on the verge, though, of kind of finally being grown up enough to stop referring to, to like the next Austin. You know, yeah. if I have to hear one more interview about, well, this street's going to be like Greenville and Dallas. like, stop saying that. That's what I, just, I, yeah, I've stop. had friends come up from Dallas and they're like, Oh, this reminds me of this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah but it's totally different. It's yeah. not even, I do have to stop. I've really consciously tried to stop saying, Oh my gosh, I don't even feel like I'm in Oklahoma city. Right. right? I mean, I said that for so many years, mm -hmm. every time something new and, and I think interesting that's okay as somebody up. who's born and raised here. I just mean from a standpoint of we're not of, trying to emulate another no, city. We want to be ourselves. Yeah. Because we're, yeah. I mean, we may never like have, you know, have the best nightlife or we may never have the best, or, or I say best quote with air quotes, you know, like, right. um, but I do think we are on the verge of another truly authentic um, kind of like cultural benchmark. I think we seem to be much more balanced yeah. across the board, right? Yeah. I mean, it isn't just about the nightlife. It's not just about the thunder. It's not or just a restaurant about or, the restaurant scene. Yeah. It's about how all of those things play together. Mm -hmm. And I think that does provide for a much more interesting yeah. place. And yeah. I do think it will be something out of kind of left field, which I think is cool. 
Like I'm I think excited. something will come along or a collection of things that will come along, whether it's music or art or food or whatever that will organically be, um, us. Right. And I think that has to be organic. Where people from that's... the outside, with people from not that don't live here will be like, Oh, Oklahoma city, they've got, they're, they're doing that thing. Right. Or, you know, just like they said, Oh, the thunder, you know, like that, like mm-hmm. when you're traveling elsewhere and you talk to the taxi driver or whatever, you, you, we're from Oklahoma city. Oh, thunder. Mm-hmm. Yes. Every, it doesn't matter what another, country they're from. There's going to be another thing in the next few years. That's going to be like, Oh, the, the, you know, I can't wait to See and maybe it it'll is. be Jones Assembly. <laughs> I, I mean, be, well, that you know? every time I bring somebody in town, we yeah. go there because I, I don't, there's nothing like it. And that's what I, I think I, I feel like for me, um, 10 years from now, I just want to have done or be involved in things that are impactful. Well, I think you're already doing it. State. You're doing it. Yeah. Um, well, you got Kings of Leon here, right? Wasn't that a big part? You team were a big, effort. Yes. Big team effort. I know, but... Yeah, that was that was that was pretty magical. That was amazing. That was pretty cool. But well, yeah, huge, was that huge right team before effort. the? Yeah, right. Or, uh, uh, September. Yeah, September. September. Of, oh, okay, so it was a. It felt right before for some reason. I was a big dork and went the next night with the symphony. Uh, was that the that next was, night? The uh, symphony. The symphony. I think was two nights later. Oh, two nights later. Yeah. I was, was doing cool, something. I think that was, I was cool. out of town for Kings of Leon, but I felt like an official old person <laughs> when I hadn't gone to Kings of Leon, but I'd gone to the symphony. Okay. Yeah. Well, we said what we. <laughs> Did what we said we weren't going to do on time. So I, I think know. it's time for go. final okay, question. Final question. <laughs> final question. That was, this was fun, y'all. This was, good. This was well, really we, interesting. We're happy to have you. How did I, did I ramble? I think no, Betsy's going to no. listen to this. So she's going to be like, God. You, no, you, you were great. It was, I think everything had a point. It was very, so it'll, it's going to be very hard to edit. Well, yes, maybe we won't. Well, we'll we could two part it. We could two part it. one part, you know. Okay. So you're best friend who's not from Oklahoma city springs a weekend visit and wait a minute. Hold on. I got to focus. Okay. Best friend, best friend, not from Oklahoma city You're saying calls and says best hypothetical best friend okay, got it. calls and says, Graham coming to Oklahoma city for the weekend. I'll be there Friday morning. Pick me up at the airport. What do you do? What's your day look like? There's no pandemic. Money is no object. You can have kids or no kids, whatever you, what's your, what's your perfect day in Oklahoma city? And what do you want to show your friends? Well, you're talking to like a person now with, with my wife there. We, we don't like, we don't go out well, because do I, I had the Jones assembly right. and you know, and that's, that's kind of, so we're not go outers. Well, no, like um, what's your like local spot? Where do you go I'm for pre- coffee? I'm just prefacing. Where do you like um, oh take man. the kids for a bike ride? Least, like what? Are, what's I'm gonna your, be your least? No, you're not. Answer. You're really not. I am so happy with just like my life at my house with my wife, my kids. So yeah, when somebody comes to Oklahoma City, I feel like the biggest thing right now that I can say about Oklahoma City, and I would want that person to experience, is just the people. Yeah. You know, and just like the local people that are, you know that really are building the community. So it's not so much of like, Oh, look, look at this big flashy thing that does that make sense? So, so would you right. ha- have a dinner party and invite um, some people? Yeah, I, I would probably, I mean, I guess selfishly I would want them to come have dinner at the Jones 
Oh, yeah. Of course. Of course. Yes. Not from uh, like an ego. By the way, you're not like, the only person to say that. I would say like 75% of the people Just because on the show I, say I that. truly love it. I, yeah. And I truly, I, I love the way I feel in there, especially when I'm having dinner. It's not like, oh, come to my restaurant. It's, 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 I think that does represent kind of where the city is. But yeah, I, I had a person visit recently and we did a little tour driving around, took them to Scissor Tail Park, you know, showed them kind of that kind of stuff, but not from like a, you know, oh, wow, look how tall that building is kind of standpoint. Um, I, um, I would probably, if we didn't have dinner at the Jones, I would take them to the Metro because the yes. Metro is my favorite restaurant. <laughs> That's where I mean, I hatched the, the That's where Action, Action City was born. I had dinner there mm-hmm. last night. Yeah. We, uh, I had dinner on First time since it. the pandemic. Oh, really? I've been a few uh, have you gotten it to go though? No, I have not. Oh, really? I have not. Um, I'm trying to think of, yeah, I mean, it would probably just be like hanging out at my house. I that sounds awesome. I know that just sounds like, you know, I, I, I have a recording studio as well, which in your house or no, at, um, uh, uh, a separate location. Okay. We won't disclose where that um, is. As I say, in your home address is so your fans don't come <laughs> hang out outside your recording uh, studio. But yeah, I, I, I do just feel like, um, um, just low key, low key. Yeah. Low key. Of course, I'd want people to see the bombing memorial. Of course, I'd want to take them places to just have a little bit of historical context of of what the city is doing. But I, I wouldn't want to, like, go on some sightseeing tour. I, I think it would be much more just about connecting with that person and just here's my little world. I think the thing I hear the most about Oklahoma City is how wonderful the people are. Yeah, and, I, exactly. and I just having lived lots of different places. Right. You don't hear that about other yep. cities. And I think it's true. I completely agree. And so I would almost rather like have that person's experience be in encountering just people by happenstance and not necessarily me setting up some sightseeing thing. Well, you can do that then, anywhere you go. Cause then that becomes like know. what we were talking about. Yeah. Then that becomes of like, Oh, let me take you to a tall building or um, you know, some, coffee shop that, that is going to rival the coffee shop where you came from. It, I, I don't like necessarily that I would, I would much rather it just be like, you're here in town. Let's see where the day takes us. Yeah. And yeah. you're going to meet and encounter people that are authentic and just really nice and sweet. Um, I would have much more confidence in just sort of not having an agenda. I love it. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah it makes total sense. I would take them it to Greta like Sloan. Right. You guys come to Greta Sloan. I would. So see, I would, that's I'd on probably, your route. I mean, depending on the guest, I would just be like, yeah, like this is. There are not that many great, husbands that I like cool love place. when they come to Greta, but you're one of them. Right. Yeah. Most of them like shoe out the door. Well, thanks. That's true. <laughs> Sometimes when husbands <laughs> Including my shop. Own. Yeah. yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, where yeah. can people find you, Graham? What's the. Um, How can they listen to? I know you here just I go, came out with it. Yeah, yeah, this is. It's, uh, we asked just, everybody this. You just so. released a new single. So right? I did just release a new single. I'm writing a lot of music these days. Go figure. I don't really know why or how. Just, I just, it's, I just some. I don't know. I just. Um, so yeah, I technically have a website, but I don't. I don't even know how that really works anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who's in charge? I, I guess to the new song I am. I have no manager or agent or anything like that, that anymore. Um, my Instagram, I'm not on Instagram anymore. Don't tell anybody because no, I do still post. Like I don't post it, but there are things when you're releasing new music that are posted. And of course I want to promote the Jones. So I have things that I po- want posted. Um, 
However, I do not participate in Instagram on the other side, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I just, and I'm just way happier and healthier not doing Would that. Would you ever play the Jones? I know. Yeah, I, what, I, was, I think so. I think I will play the Jones. I but just, you never have. Never have. I, we're waiting. I know. I really, what would it yeah, tell? yes. I don't know. I mean, I feel like when it, I was listening to all your music it, this morning. Like I was if you, wishing you, you would. know the vibe, so I yeah. feel like you could create a really cool vibe. Maybe it's not the same as the other concerts there. Maybe it's more intimate. I mean, the Jones need people that sell tickets, though, and I just feel like I would have you guys and my mom and her friends, and but that could be really fun <laughs> too. Fun. I bet you'd have more people than you think. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think I'll play the Jones at some point when I feel like. It's kind of like making music again. I just sort of, it's just happened. And I never thought that I would release another album, which I did. And now, you know, there's more songs happening. I think there'll probably just be a day where I'll be like, yeah, let's just, let me get do my dudes together and we'll play, we'll play the Jones. I mean, oh, I'll be there. We will be there. Okay, cool. We can't Sounds wait. Good. Graham, thank you so much. You guys for are coming so pro. Action well City. done. This really? Is, this is by oh. you're, the, you're the pro here. Yeah, I was going to say, no, that's a, a huge compliment coming from you. Thank you. <laughs> Talking to you. I mean, look at this. I, that's, I told you. 24 Don't minutes. tell Richard. Oh, he texted me. I was like, you guys. Thank you Oh my gosh. We loved it. Thanks, Graham. See ya. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate your listening to these stories. You can find us on Instagram at ActionCityOKC or for business inquiries, email us at hello at ActionCityOKC.com. Action City is produced by Blackened Studios. You can find the studio on Instagram and Facebook at Blackened Studios. Creative services provided by Ranger Creative. Put your hand in my hand, darling, say go. Your eyes on the horizon Stay gold All I need are your eyes You're my arrow Now we're running Into the wild Keep running